live from the Soap Factory at CliffCon 2017 in entertaining and educational Minneapolis. This is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In our first ever live episode, everyone, we broke in GlitchCon keynote speakers Rebecca and Adam Saltzman, founders of Indie Game Studio and publisher Finji, talk about developing games and how to talk about games you've developed. And so, if everyone's ready, is everyone ready? Yay! Let's start. Well, thanks for coming back to the main stage, guys. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> We've been talking a lot today. Yeah? Yeah. Well, we'll get a little bit more of that. Um, for our listeners who are not here at GlitchCon, maybe introduce yourselves. You know, what are you doing on our show? So, my name is Becca Saltzman, um, and I am the CEO and co-founder of Finji, um, which is a small independent uh, development studio in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we also do um, sort of micro-publishing with uh, independent games uh, and their creators, and we help basically get their, their games out the door. I'm uh, Adam Saltzman, and uh, I also work at Finji. And We're am totally also married. married <laughs> to Rebecca. Uh, and uh, I guess I've uh, been an indie game designer for about 10 years. Um, did a game called um, Cannibal a long time ago that some people remember. And uh, a few other things in between now and then. Working on a game called Overland right now, uh, which is kind of in a first access, early, early, early alpha thing. And uh, yeah, we just uh, helped ship Night in the Woods back in February. Cool. Nice. That's awesome. I love that game. <laughs> uh, it's pretty good, right? Yeah. <laughs> we got two sort of big topics we hope you'll uh, come along with us for. And the first one is sort of how to talk about your games. Uh, Stephen, we talked about the different audiences. Yes, applies, yes. Right? Yeah, so um, well, um, one audience that we want to talk about is like our peers, so other devs like us here um, at the show. Uh, also, uh, publishers like, say, Nintendo or Finji, for example, because you guys also publish games. Um, <laughs> and then audiences. So, uh, people in the audience here, for example. Woo! <laughs> how, do you, how do we talk about games to them? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I'm curious, like, how, how, do you approach, how do you approach the different kinds of uh, people? How do you talk to, like, let's say, how do you talk to your peers specifically about your game? Uh, interesting talking to our peers is actually always a lot easier because um, they're already meeting us at like a base level of understanding of what we do right yeah. um, when, when, if I go and talk like for example um, a family member who I don't see very often who may not be like super technical technologically inclined then I, I have to um, there's more explaining um, mm-hmm. and it, like obviously I'm not we're not going to start talking about like really like in-depth code designer like anything there's stuff we can talk about with like other game designers um and even then like it's stuff Adam and I don't talk about a lot of the time with other game designers it's either um just really broadly saying like hey I've been working on this thing I think I think it might not be terrible (laughs) like I mean like like, I know like the last three were all terrible but this one I think is going to be okay or it's like so that insanely specific. It's like <laughs> mm-hmm. unbelievably specific. Like, hey, you know how that one thing in that one game had the thing and you did this? So we took that, but we made it the reverse of that. And, <laughs> you know, it works sometimes, but in this situation it doesn't work. And, like, what did you think about that or whatever? Oh, with game designers, you're dealing with, like, other people who have, like, the encyclopedic knowledge right. yeah. of, like, yeah. everything made since the 80s, including stuff you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like it's half, half the time they go like wait you didn't play so and so for the Mega Drive it was a Japanese only something or other I'm like no okay I'll go play that now um, uh, so when it's time to talk to a different audience after you've spent maybe years 
talking to your peers in this language. What, how do you change gears? Uh, it's actually super intense, and it's uh, something that grows from show to show. So, like, the first time we took, um, I'm going to use Panoramical, which is a really, really cool thing that we um, published, made, uh, made by uh, David Kanaga and Fernando Romayo. Um, it's a really, really hard game to explain. Um, and if you see screenshots of it, like, go and look it up right now, you'd be like, what, what is this? Um, and it took several shows, and we're still barely even there to be able to explain this to other people. Um, but listening to the way other people talk about it is like super valuable. So at one show, it was like RTX in like 2014 or something. Some dude came by and was like, "Yeah, man, like Panoramical. It's like Fantasia, but for video games." And I'm like, "That's a really easy base level thing. That like, yes, people know what Fantasia is. They have like something to sort of like hook in to like." Then you have a starting point of a conversation, rather than yeah. like, well, it's kind of like this. For that game, it's still not good enough. No, it's totally not good enough. But it's like for, <laughs> for Panoramical, like point. like the actual pitch. If we're at a show now for Panoramical, is uh, here spin these knobby things. Look what happens. That's like <laughs> the whole, that's on, the only effective it. pitch that we sure. found in oh, like okay. three years. Huh. Um, but like Night in the Woods changed a lot. Like a lot yes. of. Um, up until like last fall, Night in the Woods, usually we'd say like, well, okay, so it's like an adventure game, but there's no puzzles, uh, and there's no inventory. Kind of, there, actually, there's not, there, there's nothing to do. Well, that's not true. There's a bunch of things to do, but it's like band practice, but like you don't unlock a thing from it. But then you just like go for, hang out at your friend's house for a little while. Yeah, you're not collecting and, things, and... Uh, and it was like, it was such a bad approach. Huh. And it's like, so, here's everything the game is not. Yeah, yeah. so like, sta- starting in the fall, it was like, okay, so uh, you're this kid, and you dropped out of school, and um, it's like, things are weird at home because of that, and there's something weird going around around town, so you're like, hanging out with your friends, and like, some creepy stuff is happening. Huh. And then everybody goes, oh yeah, tell me more. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Apparently that's a better pitch than just lifting a bunch of random features it doesn't have. Yeah. Who, who would have guessed? Yeah. yeah, it's super. It's super interesting having to develop a pitch for your game. Uh, with Vengeance, I guess I, in general, I tend to describe it as a shoot 'em up, a cooperative shoot 'em up, because there's not a lot of those out there. I, I don't know if you guys have played Vengeance. It's at the Minicade. Oh, <laughs> Check it out when it. you get a chance. We haven't uh, made it out of this room yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I plan on it. Cool. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this building's really cool. I would like to go exploring. Yeah. Um, but um, with with Vengeance, I yeah, like I said, I normally describe it as a cooperative shoot 'em up. Well, people think of shoot 'em ups, they think of like Galaga or something. That's mm-hmm. the one that most people think of. But um, when I describe it as a cooperative shooter, I'm hoping that they get the idea that it's really more of a team-based thing, and everyone is supposed to. They serve per- particular roles in the on the team, but um, it's supposed to. It's 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 supposed to be the core is cooperative and teamwork. So yeah, yeah. We had originally we were presenting Overland. We would say this is a. We had a bunch of tongue-in-cheek pitches when we didn't know what we were doing. We'd be like, it's a road trip, roguelike, procedural oh, Adam had like a strategy. List. It, was it was like ridiculous. It was this joke, like seven-letter-long acronym. That was oh, wow. that was stupid. <laughs> well, and uh, then we'd pop into like, but we're indie, so we can like break genre. So it's a little bit. It's, and oh. for a while, for, <laughs> yeah, for a while, we'd be like, oh, it's like XCOM meets Oregon Trail. But we didn't even come up with that. I think I did, did or somebody you? somebody I it was local like a, did. I thought it was a media person. No, I don't know. And that like that worked for a while, but it was weird because we're just talking about two other games that people love a lot, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of strange. And then a couple other games that are have things in common with that started coming out. So there were some other road trip themed games came out over the last couple of years, and um, 
There's another game called Oregon Trail. Oh, yeah. Which is... I've played that before. Yeah, very Oregon Trail, yeah. like, and hard to actually say out loud and make it sound different. Yeah, it's um, almost the same thing, but just with zombies, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Uh, and it started to get to, to be a weird pitch, and after a while, uh, the we were just watching how other people were talking about it. And, like, a lot of how we talk to our audience is just based on how our audience talks to each other. Because huh. mm-hmm. we don't, like... We can't connect the dots. Like, right now... The thing that the thing that people care about a lot in Overland right now is that it's a turn-based survival game, which there aren't a lot of, which I think helps. It helps it stand out, but um, that is it's more interesting to people than I would have thought. Mm. Like, because me, like the whole point, the whole reason we started making it is because it's a turn-based survival game. So I don't really care about that part that much. It's just like in the fabric of it. Yeah, it's like well, duh, that's that's what we're making. But, but there's still nothing outside of that quite like that out there. Yeah. and apparently that's. That makes people be more interested in it. For some reason, yeah. turn-based survival game isn't just an accurate description. It makes people go, oh, like, how does that work? Mm-hmm. Um, huh. Which is, yeah, which, that's worth a lot to us. With our tunnel vision, like, internal to the studio, it's like, well, we've been talking about it like that forever, but, I mean, those, that's, it's too accurate. It's not flowery enough. It doesn't have, like, that marketing tagline or the, you know, hearkening to this other, like, it's not, yeah, it's not, like, <laughs> we saw that's being the used. boring place yeah. or like the boring place to start but the, the understanding like and watching the way people are responding to it like and lifting that because if they're already talking about it that way they're going to keep talking about it that way and they're going to remember because they're the ones that like coined it in the first place in a yeah, lot of ways yeah. so like yeah just, I'm surprised that people thought it was an interesting way to talk about it but they clearly do so we're like well, who are we to argue it's it's, it's honest true. it's an honest it's description correct. of the right, game right yeah being and close if, to it is yeah it, is it, mm-hmm. I know that with my game the also playable at Minicade, everybody. Um, the, the problem I have is I am just way too close to it. Like, oh, I know what's absolutely. good about it, but I have no idea what other people... Like, if I have to, like, sit in front of it for half an hour, and then you'll get it. But if I just try to explain it, they're like, what? I'm like, okay, now sit in front of it for half an hour, and you'll get it. I almost... And yeah. so in your keynote earlier this morning, you guys described, like, that process of marketing, that, like, you sort of need an outside eye. You need someone who is dedicated... Uh, this was actually a thing, especially with Night in the Woods. I mean, the game took, like, over three years and made by a very, very, very small team. And the game's enormous. So, like, I mean, this, they're, like, looking at this thing from, like, you know, just millimeters from their face. And they can't actually see, like, the whole thing anymore. Um, and it was funny, especially at the end. Like, I, I had, like, really strict rules about, like, my, my involvement on, like, the slack. I refused to join the Night in the Woods Slack channel because, like, if I had to come down hard on anything, I didn't want, like, that emotional connection of knowing exactly moment to moment what was going on. But on top of that, I was the one who was doing a lot of the shows. So I was watching how the game, like, even the demo was being responded to by the people, like, out and about. But they, like, the team was, like, so busy and didn't want to go to the shows. Like, there was a whole bunch of stuff at play as to why they didn't go. So if they did see someone play it, they're like, whoa, how are people responding? Like, this is crazy. Like, they're really into this thing. And I'm like, well, Yes, like I've been telling you, this is how they're talking about it. This is how they're responding to it. So, like when we came up on launch, they're like, "We're gonna sell like 32 copies, and like we're gonna have to get contract jobs." And like I'm like, "Do it! Like just wait a second. Like wait a hot minute. Like don't commit to anything um, because they haven't been watching and like had the." like mental capacity even because they've been so in like the the tunnel of making the game to be able to like kind of understand the thing that was happening on the outside which I've been watching for years in in person like there was a point where we just started it was like we were partway through a pack so we were like well what's this game about like you're gonna love it 
Yeah. That would be the whole pitch because well, I'm like I'm like this is based on literally everyone who's walked by in the last two days has yeah. loved it. What what kind of games do you I don't play? Even know like what else uh, to... Halo only. You're gonna love it. Like what? Like, there's no shooting in it. I'm like you just sit down. Like trust me. <laughs> and like over like years of showing like just our demo like the people like they had three people in a ton of years be like I didn't like it and I was like that surprises me I would like to know why and every single one was like I don't really like reading and I'm like well it's not for you like that's cool that's, that's like a, a fair valid, line in the sand <laughs> yeah very they're like it was really funny but I can't imagine reading that much on a screen I'm like right. valid fair awesome um, but everyone else like we had this it was that PlayStation experience years and years ago um, and there are these two dudes that walked by that were like playing you know, some zombie shooter or something or other. I don't know. They're wearing Slipknot shirts, um, which just like made my heart happy. It reminded me of the '90s. Um, <laughs> and these two dudes, yeah, they came by in their Slipknot shirts, and I was like, "You should just play it. I think you're really gonna like it." And they're like, "Whatever, crazy they have, woman." Like Call of Duty tote bags. Yeah, and, like, like totally not their genre at all. And I'll never forget them like sitting down, and like one of them eventually somehow ended up on like a lap. Weird. I don't know how it happened because we were like super crammed into like a 10 by 10 um, and they were just laughing their butts off <laughs> and I'm like and this was the first show we'd ever actually brought Night in the Woods to and it was completely amazing seeing like like jumping across like stereotypical gamer genre um, it's nice too to be in a like... really cool and like very public way and like even for me like as somebody who has to like sell the game and represent the game like understanding that the game crossed the genre mm-hmm. and like like I badgered and bullied them, like sort of poked them into like sitting down and playing this thing. Um, but like seeing the response then, like sort of helped me understand that, like no, no, this is just like a thing. Well, it's like, nice to have confidence. Like you want to be able to say, like if you tell somebody, like you gotta sit down and play this game. It's really funny. And they sit down and they they play it for a while and they never laugh once. And you're like, I don't know. We gotta we gotta either like yeah. it either needs to be funnier or we need to talk about it really differently because we're setting people's expectations yeah. completely wrong. Right. But but then we get confidence after a while. Like you're like this game is really funny. You should play it. And they sit down and they're like, there's there's one line from the girl that sits on the front porch and does poetry. We watch it. Yeah, we'd watch it like show after show. Like dudes like doubled the over. Dankness, dankness like, poem. Yeah, just like crying <laughs> like while standing at a thing from laughing so hard. And we're like, okay, okay, we're allowed to call this funny and that's that's close enough. That's like, that's really, yeah. that's actually true to the game and it's actually kind of appealing because most games aren't actually funny. Uh, that, that reminds me of something that we talk about a lot in our podcast is um, like getting a lot of playtesting and iteration of your game. Um, and it sounds like that, that helps with figuring out what your pitch is going to be too, just to see yeah. what people are yeah. doing. And it's like. actually, it is. It's super important. And the interesting thing is like we actually do this. Um, we have like a really short list. Like if we're developing a prototype or something, we have like a short list of like mostly game development friends who can like keep stuff confidential and like play yeah. and we trust them who like come back and sort of like vet things. But they'll also vet things with language. So like we listen very carefully as to how they're describing it to us. Because they're coming at it with fresh eyes. We may have been sitting on this thing for like eight, nine, ten months and messing around and noodling with it. We come to it and come back to it, come to it and come back to it. And then we finally are like, hey, I want you to play this. And like when they come back and tell us like what they think, there are usually through lines between all the people. Yeah. And like how they're doing, like how they're well, playing it, and it's like, is that what we intended? And there's, or not? A, there's, and there's being aware of, and like, uh, uh, kind of welcoming toward uh, the fact that your game might mean multiple different things. And it's going to mean different mm-hmm. things to different people, and people are going to 
initially value different things about it. Mm. So, like, the point of Night in the Woods is not to be funny necessarily, but it's that is one thing that it is, and it's something that people can value and appreciate right away. So that's pretty cool. And, like, um, uh, for an old iPad game we did, the thing that we thought was really interesting about it was we had all these game mechanics with all these neat emergent properties, and there were all these weird things that we were finding out about physics and about um, uh, sort of circular geometry and how do those things interact in ways that were surprising. And so we talked to people about the game, and we were like, you got, you're going to love this game. It's all about like the surprising emergent properties of geometry that like you didn't even think about. <laughs> like What they wanted to hear was... That went well. What they, yeah. As you can imagine, anything with the word geometry described. Yeah, yeah, people love geometry. Uh, so, but like, what, and then, you know, instead you would try saying like, well, at first it seems easy. But really, it's actually not. Mm-hmm. And people are like, "Oh yeah, tell me more." <laughs> yeah, the only which thing- is fair because that's what they value. Like, they want something that's like going to have a little bit of a surprise. It's going to have like a little more to it than they expected, maybe. But that's not going to scare them away right away. Like those, that's something that I value when I play a game. Right. So right. like, uh, and both of these things are in the game. Both of these things are true about mm-hmm. it. It's got surprising emergent geometrical thingies going on, and I love that about it. But like, uh, maybe not everybody will even find that or think that's neat. Mm-hmm. But there's other things that are true about it that that a lot of other people totally value and think yeah. is interesting. Yeah. There's things that should be buried in like interviews about your process and design, uh, and things that should like be like public consumption in a lot of ways like the, there's the mainstream way you talk about things and then there's like the super fascinating like because there's levels on how people interact with things and like the super fascinating things that, about your design that you really really want to talk about like I I imagine Alec would really love to talk about the ways that he even made Night in the Woods run on a computer period <laughs> because like Scott's artwork and animation like it's so like just taxing to the systems and Alec had to just like invent stuff to make it work and it, yeah, like, computers the, are made for 3D graphics now not for right, colossal right. hand drawn yeah. 2D graphics and there are but that's like that's not something we talk like happen. in the, the most recent Night in the Woods article Alec's going to tell us all about the crazy crap he did over years to make this stuff run um, that's interesting to us. Right, right. But We're the not, audience for that. Yeah, it's not interesting yeah. to like. There's some... also like it's important to be sensitive to like different types of audience too. Mm-hmm. Like there's there is an audience for Night in the Woods for whom the uh, the art style is a lot more important to them than everything else. Um, there's an audience where story is the most important thing to them. There's an audience where oh wow you guys finally. Like, we made an adventure game, but you don't have to collect cat hair and make a fake mustache with a paper clip <laughs> and a thing. Like, awesome, like, this is for me. Or, like, oh, it's essentially an RPG. There's just no battles. And you just kind of go around and talk to yeah. villagers for a while. And, like, maybe that's what some somebody else has been, like, really waiting for. So yeah. like it's, Or somebody who's, like, finally has a game about representation. Like, oh, my gosh, here's a game about kids with mental illness and, like, interacting in their tiny, small Pennsylvania-ish town. Yeah, like, that, that carries a lot of weight for some people. Well, it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, yeah, no. This is yeah. This no, is it's fun. like it's a real. It's yeah. the biggest deal about this game yeah. is that payload and the fact that it's also, you know, got a better written script than most games is not relevant. But yeah. for other people, the fact that like the writing is at all sensitive or at all subtle at times makes it. You know, remarkable to them in some way or other. Where other people just don't care about it, they just like that that 
that joke about the cell phone and the porn, that was that one's solid. That not even in there anymore. <laughs> oh, that's only in the demo. That's Sorry. Totally Spoilers. Demo. <laughs> one of the best jokes in the demo. Pretty solid. It's my favorite one. I'm very sad it got cut for the main game. So those audience, I mean, targeting those audiences and finding out what's special to each of them, that's sort of the, helps you with the third leg of this, which is talking to publishers, investors, other developers you want to help you out. What's the approach there? Like, what do you have to do differently? Because it sounds like you, it's almost the same as marketing. It's a pitch, right, to an yeah. audience. But what do you include and don't include in those kinds of talks? The big thing for us, it's really interesting, because, like, we talk to a lot of students um, and people who want to, like, show us our games. They're not, like... They not, don't necessarily want us to publish it, but they want to vet their pitch. And we're like, we mentor a lot of everybody, it feels like sometimes, which is awesome. We like, we love interacting with especially students. It's just like really important for us um, as like a dose of reality, but then also like, we're just gonna be straight up honest. Like, if somebody can come up and like get, tell me what their game is and what they think their game is, like that is super valuable. Um, we, we had some uh, recent conversation. Um, with a developer and their team and like they were describing the game and like the only warning bells going off in my head were like they don't know what they're making they don't know at all like they have a timeline but they haven't dug down deep enough into what they're building to how to understand how to talk about it at all and if if you can't talk about what you're making like in a coherent way to explain it to somebody else you don't know what you're making mm, yeah we had this in an overland we had up in a place recently where I had not fully internalized something about the game's design that's super fundamentally important that had like snuck into our marketing already oh. because it we felt like it was a nice turn of phrase that summarized this bit of the thing nicely, but I wasn't thinking about it in terms of like actual like emotional impact as you're playing the game. It was just like the line is something like, eh, you know, you're going on a road trip and you're taking care of a group of survivors. Um, and it turns out the whole notion of taking care of a group of people is like really, really fundamental to the way a lot of people, anybody who's playing Overland for story or for role playing, that's the fundamental way that they connect with it. And we didn't know that about the game, even though we were making it. And I think this is super, super, super common is like, um, yeah, you're making the game, but it's not done yet. You don't fully understand exactly all the pieces that yeah. you've put in it yet, and it's, yeah. gets, it's very, very hard to describe something that you don't understand. And so, like, this is another reason we put it in front of other people is, like, okay, at least they're seeing it with fresh eyes. Maybe they can see some of what's going on, you know, and that'll help me figure yeah. out a little bit about but what's going point on. Point out a piece that we put in it that we think fits, and they're just like, what the, what the heck is this? Like, this doesn't belong here. It pulls you out of the cool thing that you're actually doing. Like, dig there. You can, Adam always talks about like, what's your game about? And they're like, well, let me tell you all about all the features in it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, what, like, what, like, what's the thing? Like, what are you doing it? Like, what is like? We talk a lot about like uh, we have this notion of like um, fantasy of play, which sounds very academic or something, but the idea is like, um, like, what is the fun thing you're imagining that you're doing? And in uh, in Overland, it's very much not about road trip. It's very much about the fun thing is like taking care of this little group. Uh, and in Night in the Woods, the fantasy of play is like being in this girl's shoes and being in this town. Uh, and for Rocket League, it's like being a, a sports star, basically. Uh, and, you know, shooty face games about like being a shooty face hero guy, right? Like, <laughs> but if you don't know what that core fantasy of play is, it can be really, really hard to talk about the game in mechanical terms or story terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like a huge struggle. And until you know your game well enough to understand what the main fantasy of play is and what you're building, I think it's 
I think it's very hard to talk to anyone about it, aside from saying like, "Yeah, I'm still working on it." Yeah, we're, we're, um, we're sort of mentoring like a project that's kind of kicking off the ground right now, um, and they're like bringing the team together and they're starting to like build the kind of their first prototype. Um, and one of the things like Adam did recently with them is like, he sat them all down on like a Skype or whatever Google Hangout, and he was like. This is going to sound really stupid, and it's going to be like a really weird academic thing I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to all write down what you think a first playthrough of this game would look like. They haven't built, like, anything. But, like, what do you, like, every single person on the team, like all four or five of you, but what like in each detail. of you, in detail, if you were to play this game for 90 minutes, what would you do? And First, like, I, this saw, I saw this thing. Then I walked over and picked it up and put it in my inventory. And then mm-hmm. I saw this thing, and that gave me this idea. <laughs> oh, and it's then, not like they're not like designing the game right then. But how much of that is overlapping between each other's visions? One, get people on the same page, so you actually even know what you're building in the first place or what you're attempting to start to build. Yeah. Um, and to see like, like what what are the through lines between everyone's interests? Because we're all coming from like disparate places when we're designing a game. And well, honestly, like if like, you can't talk to your team about your game and yeah. what it's actually about and stuff, talking to anybody else about it is going to be impossible. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and getting people on the same page early and like maintaining that will like save you later on. Because if like if you're not communicating like at that very base level at the beginning of a collaborative relationship, like you're just you're leaving out too much information and there's going to be too many like missed opportunities or um, I don't know, like this, this is like super dramatic, but we had a friends um, cause we're like, you know, 30 something. So we have like lots of married friends and obviously we have lots of married friends whose relationships have dissolved over the last like 15 years. And we watched this one particular one dissolve. And as we were talking sort of as this was happening to like the husband and wife um, separately, obviously, uh, what became very apparent is that they were imagining conversations. So they, they were thinking that husband said this, but that conversation actually never happened. They had, had imagined it in their head. And the same thing on the other side. She, like, she was imagining things he said, and he was imagining things that... But neither of them actually ever talked about the things that they were talking about. Huh. And that happens, like, obviously on a less catastrophic, although it can feel catastrophic, especially like on a collaborative game four years in or whatever. You assume you're like, like I've been working with this person for like on the six same months page. and you know, I've been doing this and they haven't been complaining about it, so probably it's fine and then I'll just do this thing and um, What you find out is that they weren't they weren't building you'll, you'll get two years in and you weren't building the same game. Mm-hmm. Building two a, pretty similar games that have a lot in common. But you'll get but, to a breaking point where you have to pick one of the two directions. Right. And if you were building a different game the whole time, assuming that the other one was current, totally on board, because you just never mentioned it, like you end up at uh, we've. I mean, we've, we've seen it happen. Like the the game will fall to pieces, or you'll hate each other at the end. You'll just push through. You'll pick one of them. You <laughs> or, just both. Be like, or both. Or both. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Both. Both have happened. So yeah. yeah, being able to talk about things early. And sort of studying that as like a base foundation of like, this is how I interact with my team. Um, and like m- maintaining that, like as things get more and more complicated, because they're the least complicated at the beginning. Right. It's just going to get worse. <laughs> you have your money. If, if you're funding it, the money's sitting there generally at the beginning. But when you start like adding in the emotional toll of like being in blinders for three years, working on this thing, staying up and working extra and like living of a video game, which I mean, it sounds so crazy, but these things are like, it's a miracle that any of them get released. Right. Like, 
and doing that at the end when you're so emotionally burned out and you just want it to be done and out of your life forever mm-hmm. and you just want to make something else eventually yeah, you want to be you want to know you got to there's plenty to, of other fires to, to be, be there. putting out you don't want to be putting out like do we even have the same basic goals for what this is supposed to accomplish and sure. sometimes like sometimes you can be on the same page for design goals and you're not on the same page for studio goals mm-hmm. or team goals or whatever like yeah. um, but again i think if you don't have like and the thing is, like, you won't know about this stuff. Like, these things all have to go on stage. It's like first three months of working on the game. You might not all be on the same page yet because nobody knows totally what this thing is capable of. You don't know what uh, you're capable of as a team, but, like, you want... I Hopefully, that thing is going to be getting, like, more refined, more crystallized, yeah. easier to understand as time goes by, and that should, in theory, and it make also, it easier for you to talk to people outside yeah. the team also. Even, and, if you're, even if you're emphasizing the wrong things... At least when the right thing comes along, you'll be able to recognize it. Yeah, it'll help you, you with all those other know audiences. What you're yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's in, you know for smaller teams or one man teams like that practice, you can, don't always get it if you're just by yourself. And one of the things we talk about a lot is uh, communicating with the your local game dev community. Yes. So for yep. all you here, that means glitch, and uh, you know of course online communities as well. Um, finding finding friends. <laughs> <laughs> mentors on you don't have to have met in real life you just need to have any kind of basic rapport and if you don't have access to a game community there are communities that are close enough um, film communities music communities like anyone who's in a creative field gets it like right. they don't they don't have possibly like the language that you're speaking but they understand what it's like to create something um, that's kind of the thing we're running into in Grand Rapids where like we're definitely some of the most experienced if not the most experienced game developers in like the Grand Rapids area um, there's there hasn't been a lot of tech there it's totally cool there's lots of students there's like you know game development programs in the area but like as far as industry experience like we're kind of it um, there's some other people on the other side of the state but they're like two hours away so we don't have necessarily like a local network that I can vet a business plan with and because we have one based on like the last 13 years of living in different places and whatever we have an online community but if we didn't I've like it's pretty easy to identify the people who I would go to with this there's like a really cool independent production studio in Grand Rapids that like they do commercials and like higher profile stuff the guys in, that owns it is in LA all the time and they're producing like their first independent film like that is the same scope and the same like type of crazy that like would understand what we were doing mm-hmm. like putting your sort of life savings on the line for like this project and like working with like creative people um, and, still, like, and that exists everywhere you just it just is, you have to be patient to find it like you can find it in an engineer who like makes handles for like the outer like a creative person who designs things well there's like it, there's different there. levels of kind of mentorship or feedback too mm-hmm. there's sort of like uh you know like uh we have a, a great professional mentor who is still in austin and really uh, almost all of our conversations and our, um, you know, things that we discuss are really more on like a studio level. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, we're thinking about doing this. We're thinking about maybe like slowly growing. We're worried about this and this and this. And we talk about those things a lot. And we almost never talk about nitty gritty game design stuff. But I also kind of need, sometimes need somebody that I can just send the game to and I can be like, hey, I, I mean, just point out every little stupid, like, you know game design well. Point out every stupid thing I did wrong just now. Um, so that I know where to start because like I'm not seeing it clearly right now and we're on a schedule yeah I yeah. can't just let it sit for two weeks and figure mm-hmm. it out myself this time you know poke some holes so I know what to work on next we also have mentors like outside the video game 
industry. Um, like one of our oldest mentors is actually like my professional mentor that like I met at like the first software company that I ever worked at. And he doesn't know really anything about how game development works. He understands software development. Um, but like when we talk about like running a studio with a family and like all this other stuff, like, you know, he's got two daughters in this twenties or in their twenties. And like, he's just, he's always there. Like, as just like, I want you to succeed. I don't necessarily know about your industry, but I do know how business works. And I'm not asking right. for business advice, more just like almost like emotional mentor support of being like a working professional. And we have a, another mentor who makes um, comic books, yeah. uh, but produces them independently, has a family, uh, you know, uh, has to work with um, a colorist and some PAs. So like kind of like In trying a distributed to, situation. Yeah. And trying to like produce a creative work on some kind of schedule by collaborating with other people while having young kids that are almost the same age and like it's really nice to just check in once in a while right right and see what's working and what's tricky our second topic is uh at these conventions we're talking to a lot of people at our games but we're also like uh here and in other places um having moments where you're uh somehow you're growing, like you've learned a new skill, or you realize something you didn't realize before, and I thought it'd be cool for each of us to say a little thing about a moment where we've personally leveled up. Yeah, uh, I can start. Uh, so uh, my level up moment is when uh, Glitch, you know, they have Glitch HQ, and they have their uh, playtest events, uh, where people around the community get together, and they just get uh, a bunch of people in the area to playtest their games. It's a wonderful experience. Um, but the first time I went there, I realized that I, uh, first off, I realized my game was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and I realized that, like, I was actually really good at um, getting people to play test the game and getting feedback and gathering all that feedback and iterating off of that. And so uh, it, really, it really made it feel like the few, uh, the past couple of years we had worked on uh, Fingence, it was worth it, and I, I learned a lot from it. So I, at that point, I, I, I recognized that, like, I felt like a true game dev at that point. <laughs> it was great. Uh, mine was, I was uh, at GDC, and um, I was trying to figure out, like, which sessions should I go to? I don't know. There's, like, eight billion of them all at once. Uh, and mm-hmm. there was one moment where I was, <laughs> I was walking from uh, Moscone, uh north to Moscone West down that block and I suddenly realized like I know exactly which ones I want to go to I'm a professional I get what's going on <laughs> and it just felt like like this surge of confidence like I'm here at this professional thing and uh, learning stuff from my work and that was really cool yeah mine is pretty similar kind of to both yours play tests especially like as soon as I got that religion like, uh, things helped me a lot. But I think the moment I felt it sort of internally, um, I, I come from a design video background, so I go to a conference every year called Adobe Max, which Adobe puts on, and it's just like a bunch of sessions about Photoshop, Illustrator, all that jazz. And I went to one on Flash game development in 2013, so it was still a thing then. Um, and it was, it was called Advanced Gaming Development with Adobe Technologies. So I was like, okay, I'm, it's going to be way over my head. I'm not going to understand any of this. I went there, and it was really useful, but I realized that oh, this, I'm, that, I'm the audience for these advanced tools. Hmm. And it, the imposter syndrome just kind of like, just a veneer of it peeled away. Hmm. And, I, and a- after that, that's, that's when I sort of decided, oh, 
this can be more than a lark. This could be something when I tell people I do it, I don't have to apologize for it. That it's that I'm, that I'm real, right? <laughs> so when did it happen for you guys? <laughs> I'll go first. Or has it happened yet? <laughs> oh, totally. I, you, this happens like every Tuesday. Every, yeah, seriously, <laughs> multiple times a week. Um, a big one actually for me. Actually, it happened, I, I honestly can't remember the date. Um, it was sometime in the last year, year and a half, or something. Um, that's it, the, the reason I can't remember is it's a bit of a blur. Um, but so I, I don't have I have a very non-traditional um, route into game development. I didn't go to school for games. I didn't play anything past the Super Nintendo. Like I kind of fell into it because it's all Adams ever wanted to do, um, and I didn't realize for a long time that I was actually doing design work. I would never call myself a video game designer. I didn't introduce myself like I work in video games. Like I I would go to things and be like I'm just the money. Like I, I just, I just do. I just send checks. I just, I just, I just do this. I just do this. Um, and sometime in the last year and a half, um, we were, I don't know, probably running or something, and we we're having a design design decision because that's like what we do when we go for our long distance runs. Is we like go for five miles and shout about game design. Well, he usually shouts at me, and I poke holes in things that he's shouting at or shouting about. Um, and I. Uh, I actually had an, a real idea, uh, and one that I acknowledged, like, this is not bad, this could be in the game, and makes a lot of sense, and oh my god, did that really just happen? Am I a game designer, like, for reals? Cause, <laughs> like, because like, I'm not, like, I'm married, I'm married to Adam, like, Adam made Cannibal, like, Adam is, like, he's, like, making Overland, he's the lead designer, like, he's, like speaks at things and is like did you see advisor and I'm just Becca like I just I'm just and like it's funny because like people are like dude you're like Becca like you've been doing this stuff forever and it's like no I'm just Becca and like the fact that like I had that much imposter syndrome and I didn't even acknowledge or understand that I did a bunch of design on hundreds and I didn't realize that then which had been years before I actually had this epiphany so like that was it, it was like last year I'm like oh my god I do belong like I'm not as dumb as I think I am. Like, I, I'm, I understand game design. I'm actually keeping up with Adam, and I'm act, like, I don't know. It was like, it was a big deal, um, and it helped a lot because I'm the one that takes the games often to shows, mm. and I'm talking to people, and like, <laughs> the number of times we were like, so I know you're just marketing, um, but, and I'm just like, whew, I'm ready for this one now. <laughs> I know I'm just marketing, like, yeah, I sim launched a game, dude. This is difficult stuff. Uh, painful, painful stuff. So, like, it, it was, like, such a confidence booster and, like, just mentally being, like, I can totally keep up with Adam. Which, I mean, I'm, I've known this kid since he was 16, so, like, keeping up with him has not been a problem. We've been together forever. But professionally, understanding that, yes, I can keep up with Adam was, like, a big deal. I'm pretty awesome, so... <laughs> <laughs> you are. We've been together a long time. You are awesome. Um, Top that, Adam. <laughs> Good luck with that ego wow. booster. Jeez. He always says he has a massive ego, so that, I bet that helps. Ego. I think I know how to do everything better than everyone else. Uh-huh. Even like things that like they're a lot like there's a guy like yeah. a lion tamer or something. I'm like, uh, I think I could use a little work. Uh, uh, I think like the the big thing for me. I mean, there's like I feel like this happens constantly. Like if I'm like. If there's not something that I was terrible at, 
last week that I feel like I'm getting less terrible at this week, I start to get like really, really anxious. Like I want like a lot of the like all the projects that we're doing right now are projects that were partially selected because these were they included big chunks of stuff that I'd never done before. I mean, Overland, I've never made a strategy game before. Never made a 3D game before. Um, shaders were a bit out of your... Never made a game that had any shaders in it before. Um, never made a game that you were supposed to play for more than four minutes at a time before. Uh, like, none of these things. And um, so, I mean, I like... Uh, there's a... I like almost drowning, I guess, constantly. Like that, I think that's really satisfying. But, like, the, the breakthrough, like, a, a big thing that I feel like we started to unpack in a formal-ish way as a studio in the last, just in the last year probably, is our sort of our studio process, like our production process mm-hmm. for how do you work with a bunch of people who have uh, different backgrounds. You've never worked together before. They have different interests. Um, you know, Everyone at least professes to have a shared interest in just making a cool game together, and they're committed to doing that, but you have to make that concrete somehow, and you have to sort of, um, not, if not build consensus at least, get people on the same page and um, use the same language when you're talking about design problems and uh, try to get things into the game that everybody feels like are if not great ideas, then good enough for now and are comfortable that we might be able to revisit them or whatever. Uh, and uh, just the whole notion that it's okay to throw away things that are bad and that it's okay to put in something that you know is bad, but you put a big post-it note on it that says, like, this is a disaster, but, like, don't look under here right now, you know, but, like, we, we this needs to be fixed later because it is going to catch on fire at some point. But being comfortable with that and being able to say, like, this is that way because we don't know how to do it right and we're not going to waste time on it right now. We're going to go look at something else. Um, th- this whole pile of collaborating with strangers, collaborating with people who have on purpose ideas that are very different from the ones that we would have put in because like I'm a on some level I'm like a uh, uh, white guy that grew up upper middle class in the 80s who likes sci-fi a lot like I am a voice that is extremely well represented in games and the idea of helping other voices be represented, I find super appealing. Um, plus, it makes me seem very, you know, progressive and, and you know, cool. <laughs> but, um, but also, there, there's a practical side to it, which is, like, a lot of the stuff that I would say has already been said, like, a lot. I don't think people are that interested in it anymore. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to hedge my bets and do these other things. And when you do these other things, like... Uh, I think you need these new production practices to help that stuff happen. Or if not new, they're... If you go back and read interviews with, like, Nintendo uh, from back in, like, the late 80s, this is stuff that that they basically did then. It was a very prototype-heavy process. It was a very trusting process. You would, if someone on your team was a good programmer and they wanted to make a prototype, you'd give them a couple days to just make a weird prototype and see how it panned out. Because who knows, maybe you'll find the cool thing that you didn't know was there. Um, and that, that kind of mix of like being hands-on, giving a lot of feedback when people need it, also being trusting and let people try weird stuff and then being able to talk about in concrete terms like well we have this prototype and this prototype I like this about this one and I like this about this one and like where's the happy middle ground um, you know, that these is are not something we used to do 
it was a massive. <laughs> if it happened, up. sometimes it would happen, but yeah. sometimes it wouldn't happen. It was it, not this formalized. No, it wasn't like a, a, the benefits of like being on top of this were not obvious, and I think it's one of the things that set apart. Nintendo and a few other studios production practice for years and years and years is they sort of they did this intuitively they just somebody there knew it was important and I think it just I just think it produces great results uh, and it's something that we have been it's hard like there's so few things you can get better at when you're making this is the messed up thing about leveling up right is like you're bad at everything so you're getting better at everything but everything about a game is so specific to that game it right. has been so hard for me to learn general game design lessons above and beyond some loose psychological things there's a limit to human reflexes you know there's a limit to human cognition that is pleasant you know there's there's a couple of boundaries out there but like the things that are profoundly true for overland are completely irrelevant for night in the woods and have very little bearing on some of our other projects um but these production practices have been carrying over project to project to project now. So right. like the notion that I've learned something that applies to more than one project is blowing my mind right now. <laughs> That's never been true. Like I'm enjoying it while it lasts. Like it's probably never going to happen again. Yeah. But it's pretty good right now. Well, that is a I mean, that's a good note to go out on. It's, it's you know, it's hard out there, but it's rewarding, right? The one, the one time I was happy. The end. Yeah. <laughs> well, if people don't already know how to find you on the internet and elsewhere, on the street perhaps, uh, how can they do that? <laughs> that actually happens sometimes. I don't go outside anymore. <laughs> that last one's going to uh, be tricky. Sometimes we're running a road race and someone would be like, go out of Atomic! Which is really weird. It's happened weird. twice <laughs> in our lives in Pretty Austin. Weird. Super weird. Uh, yeah, so you can find us at, um, so I'm at B-E-X Saltzman, S-A-L-T-S-M-A-N on the Twitters, and Adam's just Adam Atomic. Um, we are at Finjico on the Twitters. Um, you can find Overland at www.overland-game.com or just uh What's our Finji? Is it just Finji.co? Yeah. Finji.co. I never go to that one. Almost I just go to the everything, game. literally every, every everything Finji. you can F- get to from Finji.co. And that's F-I-N-J-I. Yeah. Our Except Midwest accents stuff. sometimes are difficult to understand. Eggs. <laughs> Eggs, college. Well, you're, you're in the perfect place for Midwest accents. I know. <laughs> I had problems with it in Austin. People couldn't, like, understand me on the phone. Now I'm fine. I say vowels. People are like, yeah, totally got it. <laughs> Well, hey, that is our first live show. So thanks to our guests for joining us. Uh, thanks to Glitch for putting on uh, GlitchCon yeah. for having us here. Woo! Thanks to Evan for setting all this up for us here on the stage. Yeah, yeah. And thanks to all of you out in the audience for uh, humoring us with your applause. Uh, we could use some more humoring, though. Right? <laughs> all right, coming up in about an hour, Martha and I both have sessions here. So the last thing we have to say is we have to pitch you between us. Right? Yes. Oh, head to head? Yeah, pretty much. Whoa. We can't go to each other's. It's sad. Wow. So Mar- I'm stuck in the middle. Yeah, Stephen, for Stephen. <laughs> All right, Martha, why should they ditch me and go to your session? Well, if you ever wanted to learn about version control, I will teach you how to use version control on the command line. Really cool. <laughs> yeah, and my session is a round table. It's about leveling up. It's about those moments where you gain confidence, those things you don't know that you thought you'd know by now, and it's going to be made up for the people who show up, so come by and help teach each other things. So, you know, or go to Martha's thing, because I kind of want to go to Martha's thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't know what to do, guys. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm by myself here. 
<laughs> All right. So uh, we have uh, one last note. Is our feedback form. Stephen, you have a room full of people to guilt yes. trip. What Do the it. heck, guys? Do the feedback form. Where can I, find some that? of you guys have, and I appreciate it. But <laughs> good, thank goodness you can use it on your phone. It's um, nicegames.club slash feedback. If you liked what you heard here and want to give us feedback so we can improve, we would really appreciate that. So... Thank you. All right. Yeah. Go uh, do it or I'm never coming back to this state. <laughs> <laughs> you, you heard him. You heard him. <laughs> all right. Serious. Well, as always, you can find more about the show and your nice host as well as get all the links and notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. And so, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice.